Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you here for worship. Last week, Bruce looked at uh, the purpose of loving our family well. And overall, we said that, that Jesus said our purpose in life is to love God and to love people. He says these are the most important things you can give your life to. The top two, love God. That's number one. You want to keep it in this order. Love God with everything you've got. And number two, love people. And so we've been unpacking this and applying it through the scripture and, and, and seeing how, how does this flesh itself out in real life. And the, this question of purpose, it, it answers the question, why, why do we exist? What's the meaning of, of my life? Our mission, it actually begins to clarify and zero in on what is my specific assignment? What's my assignment? What is my part in, in, in God's you know, grand story? And our mission really is to help others. If you come to know Jesus Christ yourself, then your mission is to help others discover God's purposes. You, you want to help others. Love God with everything they have and love people. And so we've been looking at this. I have a verse I want to highlight this morning and sort of get us going here. It's from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is Jesus' final words to his followers, to his disciples. He gathers them together, and he, he gives them their specific assignment for their lives. This is, this is a, a perp, this is a, uh, some would say this is one of five commissioning verses where Jesus says, this is what you need to focus on. The mission is this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And he, he's, he's, he's speaking to the group of them. So he's saying, you guys are going to be my witnesses. You're going to take this message. Because at this point, Jesus has already died. They saw him die on a cross. They saw him taken off. The, you know, they, they knew he, he was declared dead. He was buried. And then on the third day, he arose. And so this is after they'd seen him risen on multiple occasions, they'd actually touched him and said, wow, you're, you're, you're alive. And so their job was to witness to the world. And this, this word witness, it actually in the Greek, it's, it's the word martus. And what it means is it's I've seen something and, and I, I, I believe with all of my life that this has actually happened. I'm a witness to something. I'm an eyewitness to something that has that has happened, and I have to tell the truth about this. I, I have to make sure others know this has happened. I'm, I'm, I'm a witness. You hear the word martyr. Martus is the Greek, but you hear the word, our English word, martyr. And all of the disciples, all these followers, were so convinced that Jesus had risen from the dead that they were all willing to die in order to share the truth of what had actually happened. And they gave their lives for that. So part of our job is to be witnesses. This actually applies to us. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses. This is, this is for us. Now, there are these concentric circles of, of locations to focus. It says, in Jerusalem, that's, that's where they were. So, you know, in our hometown, we, we are here. We have a region of Southern California where we are living in. You maybe live here in Riverside or one of the surrounding cities, but that's sort of your Jerusalem. Then you have... These outer regions of Judea and Samaria, those are the, 
or the region where they're from. And so we think as a church in terms of how can we support what God is doing regionally. So you've been hearing a lot about how we're helping to plant a church in North Fontana. And so we're, we're a part of being witnesses to the region. But then it has this other layer, the ends of the earth. How do you do that? How do we reach to the ends of the earth? Really, there's, there's a couple ways. The first one is we, we reach people who step into our region and in our hometown. So there's people from the ends of the earth that move to Riverside and begin living here, and then they begin to interact with us. Maybe you are able to help them come to Christ. And they, if people come to Christ from other places, they often begin to grow, and then they go home and they take this message and they become witnesses in their Jerusalem back at, back at home. So that's one way. Is people come here, come to faith in Christ, and then move back home. Here's another way. God calls us to move to them. God says, I want you to go to the ends of the earth. I want you to move out of your hometown, and he sends a person or a family to a certain place. And so, and sometimes God makes it very clear that it's just time to leave the comforts of home and head to reach an unreached group of people. Uh, so you're going to hear this morning from a family they're the Rimstead family, David and Emily. Uh, last uh, time they spoke up here was March 29th, 2015. And so uh, at that point, they were, uh, I had invited them to come to share what they were embarking upon, what they had sensed God was calling them to do. I met them through the Ministry of Christian Challenge, coincidentally, at UC Riverside. And they were uh, serving the Lord there, and then God called them to, to go to the country of uh, Papua New Guinea. And so you're going to hear about their story, uh, and they're, uh, at that point when they came here uh, four years ago, uh, they were looking for partners. We wanted to partner with them. Uh, they were going to be needing to build a home in the jungle, and so I said, hey, why don't you come and share with our church what's going on? We, we let them share. We showed some videos, and I thought maybe, maybe we could send them with $5,000 to help with their, with their house building. Uh, need because they were going to need a lot of money for to build that house in the jungle, and uh, God just moved on some people's hearts. A lot of people got involved, and we we gave twenty thousand dollars to them on that Sunday. It was pretty amazing, and we were like, "What just happened?" This really inspired our people, and so uh, they're they're a few years into this ministry. They have a, a plan. You'll hear more about it. it I think in you know, at one point I heard fifteen to twenty years sort of strategy. And so they're, they're a few years into that strategy. Here's a picture of the home that you, if you gave towards that, this is, this is what you helped invest in. This is a fully functioning home that is in, uh, deep in the heart of, of uh, the jungles of Papua New Guinea. Uh, they've been living in this for about two years now. And this is in a mountainous region, in a village. And you're going to hear about their story. Here's a picture of their family. This is the Rimstad family. You might think, you know, the missionaries are those who already have launched kids and so that they could just go and, and be fully devoted without kids there and, and they could just be, uh, you know, then this is safer that way. You don't have to bring your kids in the jungle. Nope. <laughs> uh, their youngest daughter was probably less than one when they moved to, uh, to the jungle. And so um, their kids are here. They're in our kid zone. Be praying for them. You'll, you'll hear a little bit more about their kids. Uh, they're in kid zone this morning. Pray for them because it's, it's hard to be away from home. For, home. for them, home is in the jungle in Papua New Guinea. And their kids, their friends are all there. And that's their family now. And so here's another picture of their team. You'll get to hear a little bit more about their team. There's uh, three families that are there. 
and God is using them in a mighty way. This is, I hope you're ready to hear their story. Uh, there is a listening guide that I invite you to take out and just jot down some notes and thoughts as they share statements and ideas as God speaks to you. Uh, uh, I would really encourage you to, to, to write some things down and respond to God. There's some next step blanks at the bottom. And uh, I, I have uh, so enjoyed hearing them share first service. I'm looking forward to hearing them share again this service. Uh, I love uh, seeing people step out in faith. And I love seeing those of you who are stepping out in faith and not playing it safe in this life. I love seeing that. It's just so, so encouraging to me. This is another family that does that. There's a verse I want to read before we just uh, welcome them to share with us. It's, it's from Philippians chapter 2, where Paul tells us to honor people who risk their lives uh, for the sake of the gospel. So here's what he's, he, he writes. He's, there's a man named Epaphroditus that was uh, being sent back to a church after being a messenger to encourage Paul and to bring some things to Paul. So he writes to the church. Paul writes to him, to the church of Philippi. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor men like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. Risking his life to make up for the help you could not give me. Um, I just genuinely appreciate the Rimstads and the sacrifice that their family has made. And uh, I want to honor them uh, as, as they come. So would you join me in standing and just uh, welcoming them to, our, uh, to share with us this morning. Thank you for um, yeah having us here this morning and letting us share and um, honestly thank you for the years that you guys have been encouraging and supporting us in so many ways by prayer um, by sending those care packages every Christmas those giant boxes full of goodies for our family and cards that you have all handwritten and encouraged us. Um, and yeah, and financially, I mean, you guys helped build that house for us. And if that house wasn't built, it'd be a lot harder to live among the Malayali people. Um, and so thank you. Um, yeah, I just, first off, we just want to kind of catch you up with uh, what we've been doing over the last few years since we've been here. Um, so in July of 2015, uh, we set off for Papua New Guinea. Um, when we landed in Papua New Guinea, we went through an orientation phase uh, with our organization, and that is around a four-month phase where we are just kind of acclimating to Papua New Guinea culture, learning Papua New Guinea culture, as well as the first language, the trade language of Papua New Guinea, which is Melanesian talk pigeon. And so um, we tested out of pigeon studies about um, a year after landing in Papua New Guinea. And then at that time, we had just our coworkers, Rachel and Nathan Mueller, and their four kids. You saw a picture of them. Um, now we have another uh, set of coworkers, Chad and Martha Earl, who are now live with us um, in the tribe. At that time, it was just us and the Muellers. And um, so in fall of 2016, we started looking for a tribe to move into. Um, Papua New Guinea is not a closed country for missionaries. They welcome missionaries to come to these most remote parts of Papua New Guinea. And so our organization actually has a list of tribes asking for missionaries. Um, and when we looked at this list and just praying over it, uh, we saw the Malayali people. Um, they had been asking for seven years for missionaries to come to their uh, village and teach them God's talk. And so... Um, 
they had been hiking a week's journey or a little over a week's journey to a neighboring village um, that has missionaries there. And that's how they were communicating that they wanted missionaries to come and teach them God's talk. Um, So then that fall, uh, Nathan and David, my husband, they had a general idea of the vicinity of where Molly Ollie was. And so they got dropped off at a nearby airstrip, and then after about like a day and a half grueling hike, uh, they made it to Molly Ollie. Yeah. Uh, David puked the whole entire time. Bless his heart. I puked all over. (laughs) So it was rough. Um, But yeah, made it to the Molly Ollie people and, you know, just asked them, hey, we've heard that you guys have wanted missionaries. Is this true? Do you want missionaries to come? And they said yes, and we said, okay, well, if we were to come, these are the four things we would do. One, we would learn your language and culture. Um, Two, we would teach you how to read and write in your language. Their language is oral only. It has never been written down. They don't have an alphabet. Um, They don't know how to read and write. There is no Rosetta Stone to learn this language. It is only the Malayali people language and has never been spoken outside of Malayali. So we would teach you how to read and write in your language, and then we would translate the Bible, God's talk, into your language, and we would share the good news of Jesus with you. Is this something that you want? Um, and obviously they said yes. And so in uh, January of 2017, um, David, along with our coworker, moved into Mali Ali to start uh, milling lumber for our houses. So you saw pictures of that, working with the Mali Ali people, cutting down trees, milling uh, wood so that we could build our house in the jungle. Um, So after a couple house building teams, our house was complete, and in June of 2017, we moved into Mali Ali and began the phase that we're in now, which is the language and culture learning. Um, And so what that looks like is just spending every moment that we have with the Mali Ali people. Um, The whole goal of our day is to get outside and be with the people and learn their language and build those relationships and go to their gardens with them, help them build their house, help them when their babies are sick. Or sometimes it's just sitting outside and talking and making up stories and things like that. Um, And right now, David is at level seven of nine in language learning, which is really encouraging for us. And I'm at level six of nine. Um, And it's all by the grace of God. And, um, and, as we've been with the Malayali people, spending countless hours and days with them, um, we love them. We love the Malayali people, and they love us so well. Um, one of the pictures that you saw in there was my friend Callie, and I had my arm wrapped around her, and she's one of my main language helpers. And she's just, she's an amazing woman, a hard worker, and uh, she has cared for me so well in being patient with me and when I'm just a big dummy trying to say these phrases that my mouth does not move that way, I don't know how to make these sounds. Um, and she's just super patient and gracious with me. And um, one of the things that we do is we go to her garden all the time. And um, when going to their gardens, the trails are just kind of horrendous. And you have to walk across these tree bridges, which are just trees that are falling down. They're mossy and slick. And then if you fall, it's like 20 feet with sticks. And it's just crazy scary. I'm not used to doing that. <laughs> So um, so there have been several times where I just scoot across on my bum, really humble myself, and just hold on for dear life to get to the other side. Um, but then she just started holding my hand every time that we would go across that tree bridge because she knew I was still afraid. 
And it's really hard in this stage because we love them so much. Our language is progressing, but it's not there yet. And so we can't have those gospel conversations like we want to. Like we want to just gush Jesus and talk about him all the time like we get to here. But we can't do that yet because we don't know how to verbalize that yet. Um, And so anyways, this particular day, Callie was helping me across the same tree bridge and when we got to the other side, I was so emotional, and she kind of looked at me like, what's going on, Em? And I just said, Callie, right now, you are holding my hand every single day and learning me this language and about your life. But someday, I'm going to hold your hand, and I'm going to teach you God's talk, and I can't wait for that day. Um, and I'm excited. We're excited because that day, we can see it. It's coming. It's in the future, and for us, the near future And, uh, yeah, we're just really excited for that time when we can share the good news of Jesus with these people. And I think that's the hard part, right? That's the tension that we're living in in Maliali is that we want to gush Jesus in all of our conversations and just, I mean, spill over what he's done for us uh, from the Father to the Son to the Holy Spirit, what he's done for all of us. And we just can't yet. My the day before we're leaving helicopters on the ground we're gonna we're gonna get out of here we're gonna come back to america we're in maliali i'm sitting in my office with my best friend eric he's my language helper we're sitting there and uh he's just like david i know you know where our dead people go can you just tell me and man in that moment multiple moments through our time in maliali having those questions asked but Eric, knowing that I'm leaving for America, he doesn't know if, I'm, if he's going to see me again. They don't understand what this is. And so just pleading with me one last, one last question. Just tell us where our dead people go. Um, I'm looking at him and saying, Eric, I know where your dead people go. I know where they go, but I can't fully explain that to you yet. You're going to have to just wait until we can explain the whole story. But you know what? We are so close. Within this next term, this next kind of three to four year stint, Maliali will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. They will hear his name, the love and goodness of the Father towards us through his son for the very first time. We are so ready for those conversations, but we just can't have them yet. And so in a nutshell, this is what it looks like. So like uh, Pastor Josh said, man, it's, it's going to be 15 to 25 years. The overall strategy of what we want to do is going to be 15 to 25 years. In a nutshell, this is what it looks like. We're going to return to Papua New Guinea. We're going to finish out that last language check to fluency. When we finish that out, we're going to do a literacy program. We're going to teach them how to read and write in their language so the word of God can speak to them personally. They can see it on the pages. But tandemly, while we're doing literacy, we're going to start translating portions of the Old Testament, moving all the way to the New, and translating the Gospels. So we can give them a complete picture in our teaching, starting from creation, moving them all the way to Christ, showing them the big redemptive story of God's love towards us through his son, Jesus Christ. And at that point, prayerfully, soon maybe, hopefully, we're pleading with the Lord that they would be a brand new church born in Malayali. Brothers and sisters that we can kind of latch our arms with 
And we'd begin, really, seven to ten years, this kind of phase of helping this brand new church mature and be disciples and follow after Jesus' commands. But not only that, but establishing elders and deacons in the future so that they can be a thriving church. And finishing off this translation of the Bible so that they not only can thrive with a structure of church life, but that they can actually be sustained and we can walk away. But the, the biggest hurdle is that we thought Maliali was small. We thought Maliali was around 250 people. No, that's just in our little hamlet. The more we began to understand and hike through Maliali, we're seeing that Maliali is 3,500 people. The farthest hamlet, the farthest village being 15-hour hike away, which is not – that's not like a little tiny trail. You're talking mountains. You gotta you gotta climb over mountains, and um, and so there's a there's a huge huge strategy in this that we not only want to see a thriving church that has elders and deacons with a Bible translated into their heart language so that they can be sustained until they die or Jesus Christ returns, but we want to see indigenous Maliali missionaries raised up with a Bible translated into their language, going into these neighboring villages of their languages, beginning to reproduce what has happened in Maliali proper. We are so excited because the tension of not being able to give the gospel is just extremely difficult. But we are excited that that day is coming. That day is coming. And because of your guys' partnership, tangibly partnering with us through prayer, financial support, like house projects like that, you guys have made it possible for us not to only begin to do work in Maliali, but you are allowing us to be sustained, to continue the work. And we thank you for your continued partnership because you're going to see this thing through with us. And we're grateful for your guys' investment. So I got some questions just to try to draw more out. Um, could you bring up Acts 1-8 again, Melissa? That'd be great. Uh, so th- this, this is really what they're doing, right? You see, this is they are being Christ's witnesses to the ends of the earth. Uh, and, and so this is... This is our mission. This is our assignment. This isn't just theirs. This is all of our assignment, if you know Christ. And so they sense God was leading them uh, to move far from home. They're both uh, California kids. They're both born here in, st- in this state, and their families are here in the Bakersfield area. And so they're far from, from, from home. Uh, how, something I thought, huh, can, you guys, can you guys sort of talk to each other in any just brief way, like, is there any, can you do some Malayali talk <laughs> for us? Just something simple, just have a simple dialogue. We won't even know if it doesn't make sense. To, I mean, <laughs> you know, I thought of doing so. I thought of being like, but, but, but no, that's, that's not Malayali talk place. Yeah. Nawalaf or Walafa? Anwalaf, Nawalaf or? Ah, Anwalaf, Anfalamame. Anfalamame. Uh, nice. Wow. wow. How are your kids doing? How are your kids doing? Um, yeah, I think 
They're doing good. Uh, life is home is definitely in Maliali. So for our oldest, Calvin, yeah, he's just, they call him Busmangi, which is just jungle boy <laughs> in Maliali. And uh, it's definitely, you saw him shirt off, no shoes. Like he just embraced Maliali life. Um, his aunt asked him, you know, how are you doing since being back? And he said, well, I feel like I just can't be me because there's so many laws. Like he has to wear shoes and he has to wear a seatbelt and he can't climb on. Like he, if he saw those chairs back there, he would definitely want to climb on all of them. America is just so oppressive, right? <laughs> so oppressive. He doesn't yeah. get it yet. <laughs> and uh, Louise, I mean, life for her is in Molly Ollie too with her buds. And yeah, so they're doing okay, you know. So, so that, that scene where you, you're all around the helicopter. I'm assuming that was the first time that the kids and you, the moms, were there. Yeah, that was our official moving in. And for a lot of the Malayali people, that was the first time they had ever seen a white woman or white kids. And so it was definitely exciting and different. And, um, yeah, and for our kids, it was overstimulation. And there were those first few weeks of getting adjusted to everybody wanting to touch them and love on them and stuff like that. But after that, they just jumped in, and they're with it. And our people are are very different. Our people are extremely affectionate. Um, they hug. They are loud, and they're just great. Like, our people are so great. Um, and our kids have loved it thus far. Like, yeah, they if they had a choice, America or Malayali, they would choose Malayali. All their friends... Um, they're learning language. Uh, Louise helps with medical, and she loves on the little babies. And, and Calvin runs around shooting flaming arrows with all the Maliali boys, and they burn <laughs> stuff down, and they just love it. Yeah, they just – yeah, they love it. Our kids love Maliali. Typical childhood, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Can't we all relate? Children can adjust to missions yeah, into overseas. Uh, this, this verse right here, but you will receive power. The Greek word for power is the word dunamis. And it's where we get the, the, the word dynamite. You know, it's explosive. It's, it's, how have you seen this in, in your lives? How have you seen the fact that a power source not your own has come or it lives inside of you? And what are some of the things that you've needed that power for? What does that look like for you guys? Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of spoke four years ago when we were here, just my biggest thing was just being afraid, afraid to do this, afraid of everything outside nature, bugs, you know, the distance. It was all really hard for me. I'm entrusting the Lord in that fear. And then moving into Maliali, just feeling 100% incapable to complete this task. Um, I remember just a couple weeks into it, just crying on the floor, being like, Lord, you chose the wrong person. I cannot do this. Um, And he really just revealed himself through his word as, yes, you are incapable of doing this, but I can do this. And um, like 2 Corinthians, how it talks about in 12, uh, chapter 12, verses 9 through 10, how he talks about my grace is sufficient and that we're to be content with our weaknesses, which is really hard to be content with the fact that we're weak and incapable. Um, But it's been so good because it is definitely Jesus in us. It is the Holy Spirit empowering us to do Every single day there. Um, We cannot do one day unless we are getting up early in the morning, hours before the sun comes up, and pouring ourselves into God's word, pouring his word into our lives, um, and enabling us to do the work among the Malayali people. So I hope you never see David or Emily, or yeah, that you see the Lord through us working in us, because it is 100% all him and his power. 
And, and, and there's that dynamic, right? We look at the Apostle Paul and we're like, oh, I can never be like him. But he calls himself the chief of sinners, right? You're looking at us and you're thinking, oh, I would, just, I would never be able to do that. But we will call ourselves the biggest dummies. Like there is <laughs> nothing in us that can do this. We, our language consultants, when they kind of looked at the language on this survey, they were like, man, prepare, your, prepare yourselves. This is going to be a... This is going to probably be a four-year language. This is going to take some time. Um, we were petrified, and we got into Malayali, and uh, we started this race on language, trying to master it. And then, and then we realized, man, we can't win this language. We have to, we have to really master this language by having relationships and, and spending our time. But we're, like, we just felt God just say, man, you're, you're feasting on the wrong thing. This is the wrong kind of luau, right? You're feasting on this language. You don't wake up and review your note cards at 5 o'clock in the morning. Wake up and dive. Sink yourself into my word. Feast on that. Um, right, Joshua 1.8. Does it say, you know, meditate on the things that need to be done? No, it says meditate on God's word. Let it be on your lips and on your tongue, and then that will make your way prosperous. And, and I think in that regard... Man, it's the power of God that enables us to, to do what we're doing. It energizes us, motivates us, gives us confidence that this can be accomplished, not because of anything in ourselves, because we're dummies, right? But God's power working and energizing us to actually do this. Um, yeah, and it's been explosive. The, this, you know... The translation of a language is what they're working on right now, and the sort of the documenting, and then they're, they're going to instruct the people in their own language, which seems kind of backwards. Like you're going to teach them their language, but but it's never been written down for them before. So they're they're documenting that they're going to show them and teach them their language, take them through school, and then they're going to translate the Bible. The translation of the Bible. As far as I've studied in, in history, church history, those who really sought to translate the Bible, the enemy just goes after them to block that process. He does not want to see this translated into their heart language because their goal is to not be, make these people dependent on them. Their goal is to, uh, to create a dependency on the Lord. that They would have what they need to move forward. But one of the things the enemy wants to do, God's enemy, Satan, and his forces, demonic forces, is just to stop the work. Bring all sorts of things. Just intimidation, sickness, discouragement from the sickness, all sorts of things that would just slow the work down or just to stop it altogether. And so we need, we need praying for them. They need more people praying for them. Uh, health-wise, you saw the helicopter. Um, there's, there's health risks obviously involved in this for them, for their, for their kids. Uh, Emily was, you saw her administering, administering something into someone's arm. Tell us about that. What was going on there? <laughs> uh, yeah. So our people well, just to get to the Malayali people, it's a two hour helicopter flight. Um, and so they are extremely remote. There's no medical care in Papua New Guinea. We don't ever go to the house six or anything like that for medical care. You have to go out of country. Uh, to Australia in order to do that. And so our people are very sick, and they have lots of illnesses that can easily be treated with an antibiotic, um, but they just don't have any health care. And so one of the ways that we love, that we can tangibly love on the Malayali people is through medical. 
Um, and so as a team, we decided to pursue that. Um, we have brought uh, malaria medicine. Malaria is really bad uh, where we're at. So malaria medicine, a simple antibiotics. They have horrible teeth abscess. Their whole face will be swollen. Um, pneumonia, uh, tuberculosis, all these things. They're just, they, yeah, they're, they're taking the lives of the people. And so um, it's just a way that we can love on them. And it's a part of our everyday. And even Louise gets in on it when we have to give the baby's malaria medicine, you know, we have to hold their heads down and squeeze their cheeks, and then we pour the medicine in, and Wheezy will grab on the other side and hold the heads down. She's like, go, Mama, go, pour it in, you know, <laughs> and then she'll sing songs, sing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, or whatever, but yeah, we just, um, it's a way that we can love on the people, and at that specific time, we are doing uh, vaccines, and so a government uh, company came in, because there are missionaries there now, it's Molly Ollie's kind of known now they know more about that there's this tribe before they're just a forgotten tribe in the middle of the bush but now the government knows that there's a people and so we are able to get vaccines uh, to treat our people with the for certain illnesses like polio there was a polio outbreak recently a whooping cough and that even took lives of lots of babies and so that's just a way we can love on them what what about your family like sickness and things like that i mean you saw the helicopter and one of the things they mentioned was there might be points where they need to get medevaced out in, in a, you know, as soon as possible. So what has that looked like for you? Well, um, uh, we've, I mean, we kind of did a tally, and it's around 21 medical interruptions that we had in Malayali for like a year and a half. Um, seven of those were trips to Australia. Two of those were surgeries. Uh, for our daughter Louise, I mean, just to get a helicopter out and back is six grand. And so, you know, if we want to, if we want to get out, do medical, and then come back in, that's twelve thousand dollars in a month, and we can't do that. And so we come out. Sometimes we have to stay. Usually we have to go to Australia. We have doctors in Garoka, um, but they they only have a limited uh, amount of supplies and equipment and. So, um, and definitely we call them interruptions. I mean, for sure, right? Satan does not want to see these, this thing endure. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think with that, God doesn't work overtime. He just shows his goodness in a really amazing way. And, and in that, um, even with the interruptions, we've gone faster with language. We've produced more with all of our write-ups i mean god even though he's interrupted he hasn't slowed us down um and it's just it's amazing yeah, yeah it's amazing and i think you know when you're in the bush we are so isolated we don't have internet or anything like that so we're just isolated in the middle of the jungle and when you're in there you're kind of like oh i wonder what civilization is like you know oh a latte that would be nice <laughs> And then you get a medical evacuation time and time again, and you go to Australia, and you're like, I don't want these stinky lattes. I want to be in the bush. Like, I want to be with my people. And so the Lord has been faithful and kind to allow us these medical things because now we're like, oh, my word, Lord, we see that each day is a blessing. How quickly we could be taken out of Malayali. It's a blessing. We want to be there. I don't want a latte. I want to be with the Malayali people. <laughs> you know, something that, that you heard Emily say earlier was our main goal is to get outside and, and be with the people. 
that I'd write that down because that, that's actually our main goal. That that's our main goal. Get outside and be with the people. This is this is you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. You you live in a place right now. God, He has divinely placed you where you are. He he's he, and He wants you to you and me to just get outside and be with the people to love Him. As, as David was describing, this just requires a dependency on. I just have to fall down before him and just draw from the strength that he provides, but then to really be involved in loving people with our lives. And so I want to pray for them. I uh, One last question. How can, how can we track with you? How can we, for those that would want to partner with you on some tangible level, what would that look like? How could they do that? Yeah, go to our website. GoShareBuild.com. GoShareBuild.com. You can sign up for our newsletter. There's a way to give to us um, specifically through our website. We blog uh, about Maliali on that website. Any kind of information, we try to do it once a month, send out an, uh, an email update. Obviously, we don't have that capability in Maliali, but um, you can stay uh, up to date with us through going to that website and, and just being a part of that. Great. Uh, I'm going to invite Cody and our worship team to come up. Uh, this is the offering envelope. If you'd like to, if God stirred your heart and you'd like to give specifically this morning to uh, the Rimstad's ministry, it'll go 100% go to them. If you write, on the inside of this, there's a place. There's the place for Tizen offering. Underneath the building expansion, there's an other. You can just write Rimstad there. If you'd like to give to them specifically, uh, you can put your gift in that in that offering envelope. Drop it in the offering baskets as they come around. Uh, and and I, I sense some of you probably will will respond in that way. Also, this week uh, it will be an option on our website. So if you if you're someone that gives online and you just like to note that to yourself, shoot yourself a reminder. Go on our website and give a gift. There'll be a, a pull down menu for Rimstad, and so that'll go directly to them. Uh, they're going to probably be with us again. Maybe not. Maybe in service, maybe not, but uh, but be praying for them and partner with them as, as the Lord leads you to do that. Let's pray for them. Father, thank you for our friends. They are precious, Lord, people and their family. We pray for supernatural strength and protection over each one of them. Lord, we pray for uh, for that power that you bring through your spirit uh, to continue this work on, Lord. And to, I pray you'd accelerate the work even faster than they can even imagine, Lord. I pray that this uh, translation of the language would just wrap up soon, Lord, and then the Bible translation would be able to begin and sharing God's talk, Lord. Uh, we just long to hear uh, of the fruit, of what you intend to do. We pray for those first um, followers, Lord, that would come to know you, Lord, that those people would uh, get rooted quickly, Lord, and begin to take this message of hope and truth and life to their people, Lord. Thank you that you use us, Lord. Thank you for this couple and their family that you're using. It's an honor to hear and and, and uh, pray for them and to support them. It, it, I just pray, God, you'd stir our hearts to uh, trust you, God, uh, trust you to get outside and, and, and be with the people that you love, that you place on this planet. Uh, we just have this time on earth to share with of the people around us, Lord, and this is an eternal issue, God. So help us to keep that in our hearts and minds. We pray you'd bless and, and continue to have your hand on them. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.
thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's Word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.